0: Today, we want to continue in the book of Acts, and we said that Acts can be called Acts of the Apostles, um, it can be called really the movement of the, of the church from Jerusalem all the way to the other most parts of the world. We call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit because it can be called that also. The title of today's message, though, is We Need the Holy Spirit. Would you agree with me? We need the Holy Spirit. Last week, we talked about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. So it's hard to define uh, the, what really the, the relationship it is in the Trinity. And the word Trinity is really not found in the Bible uh, but the concept is found in the Bible. Uh, Webster, who was a Christian when he lived, uh, he defined Trinity as a union between three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in one Godhead. They are three in one. The word Trinity uh, is really, if you want to kind of see what, what, what the word Trinity is, why do they call it the Trinity? Uh, that is a group of teachings, basically. That if if uh, we had a a shoulder bag, and we put everything that we teach about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as being one into this bag, then the doctrine of the Trinity would be the handle which we will pick that bag up with. So, any teachings that you will put in in the bag on any subject matter, whether it be love, whether it be marriage, whether it be uh, children. Uh, the handle would be the doctrine of that. So we have doctrine of the Holy Spirit, doctrine of the, uh, the church. We have plenty of doctrines. Uh, so that's what really doctrines would, would be, teachings that are found in one thing. So if you want to know about the Trinity, you will study the doctrine of the Trinity. And it's, it's a marvelous study, but really I don't even try to explain how three persons can be one. And I don't even try to explain it, Uh, there are many explanations that are out there, many explanations, and all of them sound good, but they are not really uh, adequate at all, you know. Uh, Some people say, well, it's like water, steam, you know, and ice, oh, come on, I I don't even want to go there, you know, because, you know, you can't really explain what it is, Uh, but there again, it is, it is. So believe me that the third person of the Trinity is God. That's what you will need to know. He is God. It's like, the, like Jesus Christ. You know Jesus Christ is God. The Father is God. The Holy Spirit is God. So that's what we need to know. And there is only one God, though. Only one God. We need to know that. It's only one God. So how three persons can be one, I don't know. And they're not persons like real persons, but they are They are persons, okay? Is that okay? Okay, just want to let you know that that's that's where we're going with this. We need the Holy Spirit greater than really uh, we can imagine, really. Greater than we can imagine. Uh, Let's look at Luke 12, 10 through 12. Everyone, and everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it says in verse 10, It will be forgiven him. But if he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him. Now that's Jesus speaking of the weight that's put on the Holy Spirit. Verse 11. When they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not worry about how or what you're to speak in your defense or what you're to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in the very hour what you're to say. Oh, my goodness gracious. That's exciting that we can know that the Holy Spirit, he has the ability to teach us anything we need to know when we need to know it, without you studying it, without you pre-planning it, he has that ability to do it. All we have to do is have sensitive ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. That's exciting because if you want to apply it to your everyday life, you can apply it to uh, just things of uh, we've talked about before, where people lose things. If you lose something, you can't find it, per se. You misplaced it, in other words. The Holy Spirit knows where those Things that you misplace. Oh, or that thing you misplace. He knows where it is. Sometimes we don't think that the Holy Spirit will reveal it to us. So we don't ask. But if you will ask, Holy Spirit, please reveal to me where I misplace my keys. He will reveal it to you. He will reveal it to you. You say, well, Or, you know, are you sure? I'm positive. You know, he'll reveal it to you. It might not be just at that moment, or it might be, but he will reveal it to you. Sometimes we think it's us doing it. So we'll say, well, let me look here, let me look there, let me look everywhere. And finally, we run across it. We'll think that, oh, you know, it wasn't the Holy Spirit. I did it because I was searching how many of you have searched for something and couldn't find it, you know? Yeah, we all have searched for something couldn't find it. And, but if we pray, it'll show up. It will show up. And it's interesting. Sometimes someone picked it up and was holding it because they didn't know who it was, and then the Holy Spirit, you know, revealed to them, oh, go put it back where you found it. And they <laughs> they, they go back and put it put it back, and you go and look at the very place you've already looked at was not there, now it's there. And you say, well, how did that happen? It was the Holy Spirit. That's how it happened, you know. He's, he's at work in this thing. The Holy Spirit can reveal to you many things. Students uh, who are in high school, college, you know, uh, if you're on your job place, the Holy Spirit can reveal things to you on, on your tests. You know, he really can because he knows what you've studied. Now, don't not study. Don't go and say, well, I'm not going to study, you know, the Holy Spirit. He'll, he'll tell me, no, don't do that, see, because you're testing God. Don't do that. Uh, he could, but he's not, okay? Uh, you need to be diligent to study. And once you study, you know, then you can ask him, God, you know, I get upset with tests. I get kind of all anxious over tests. God, help me to uh, uh, really remember the things I have really diligently studied. Oh, he'll do it. He'll do it. The Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Let's look in in the gospel. of John chapter 14. He is God in us. If we're born again. He's God in us. Verse 15 through 20. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. The King James would say another comforter. That he may be with you forever. Let's stop there. That another is not speaking of, uh, I'm going to give you a substitute that's not like me, but, you know, he would do. No, another is really equal, equal in quality, equal is the same kind. In other words, I'm, I'm a comforter, but I'm going to give you another comforter, just like I am, the same as I am. And he will comfort you, Paraclete. He, he will act as my substitute, he will plead God's cause. You. Now, there's another uh, verse in the N- New Testament in the epistles in 1 John chapter 2 1, and it says that He is our advocate. We have an advocate, the Holy, you know, the Father, Jesus Christ, who will be an advocate for us. Well, that is a different, uh, really, meaning of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Comforter, and He's our. Pleader, our advocate, he's our substitute, uh, really, because he goes before us and pleads our cases before God. That's in First John chapter two, verse one. He is like a lawyer; he pleads our case before the Father. But in this particular uh, verse in the Gospels, it means he's pleading God's cause to us. That's what the Holy Spirit does, and. He's also our encourager. He's also uh, our exhorter. He exhorts. He comforts. He encourages. He is God. And I'm so happy he's that. Look at verse 17. That is the spirit of truth. So what is truth? His word is truth, isn't it? His word is truth. And Jesus is the word, isn't he? So he really is a spirit of Christ because it's another verse, he's a spirit of Christ. He's a spirit of God and he's sent from Christ, but he's also sent from, from the Father. Uh, it's all these scriptures and we're not, not going to go over today, but you know, you can do a study on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and it'll, it'll reveal to you more about him because the more you study, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God and it's, it's good But he's the spirit of truth. So I want to know the truth. And so uh, if if there's a lie, if there's deception, he's not the author of it. He's the spirit of truth. That's what he is, the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. He is God in us. And that is that is no other um, so-called religion can claim they have their small g in them. You know? They can't do that. If they really knew they would have a spirit in them, but is not the spirit of God. Yeah. Let's go a little further. He will teach you all things. How about some things? Let's look at verse twenty five to twenty six in verse in chapter fourteen of John. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the helper, what's another word for the helper? Comforter. Okay, he's a comforter. exhorter, Encourager. The Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance. All that I have said to you. Do you want to hear everything? I, I need a, uh, one of these uh, handhelds. Can, can I get hand-held? Uh We we need to. You can still hear me, right? I found out that my my ears are too small for but, <laughs> but it's okay it's okay now it says that he would teach you teach us all things and bring to our remembrance those things that he has said to us I want to know everything that Jesus has said to me because if I don't know everything that he said to me, the Holy Spirit can't bring to, his, to my remembrance that which he said to me. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, what I want to do is read everything in this Bible because Jesus, my Father, has written this down for our benefit. For my benefit. So therefore, I want to go from Genesis, I want to go to Revelations, all the way through every single word and I want to understand every single word. I might not understand all the concepts. I might not understand everything he's saying, but I want to read every word and try to understand every word I can so that I know what he has said to me. That's why I want to read from Genesis to Revelation. That's why I don't want to just open the Bible and just turn to something and start reading and, and make that my devotions. I don't want to do that. Because as time go on, I'm, I would not have read the whole Bible. I want to read every single word. And I would advise you, and I have always been encouraging you, to read the word of God. To learn the word of God. To have the word in you. Because God says that, he said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will and it will be done for you. So I want his words to be abiding, staying, dwelling in me. That's what I want. God is good. He will guide you into all truth. Let's look at chapter 16 of the Gospel of John. Verse 12 through 15. I have many things to say to you, but I cannot bear them right now. You can't bear them right now. Verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Not just some of the truth. He will guide you into all truth. So we have, when we are born again, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us and He will guide us into all truth. He's not going to guide us into deception. He's not going to guide us into error. He's not going to guide us where we're not supposed to go. He's going to guide us into all truth. So we need to yield to that because truth is not found in some places. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's not not found if you start reading uh, on evolution. It's not found there. It's not found that you can read on it to, to know how to answer someone that believes in it, but you better make sure you know upside-down, inside-out creation because that's the truth. We need to study the truth. We don't need to study error. We need to study truth, and we'll know error from truth if we know the truth. The only reason we study error is for Apologetics. And we have a class on that, don't we? <laughs> you said it too loud, brother. <laughs> That's important. That's important to know how to how to answer people who who ask you, because uh, they'll bring you all sorts of stuff bring things to your door, do also, and telling you about this and that. And you know, you don't want to hear about this and that, you know, because you already know about this and that because you studied in Elder Sam's class. So you know that. Let's go a little further. He will glorify me. For he will take a mine and will disclose it to you. My goodness. I don't don't think you heard that. And I know you have read it. It says, he will glorify me. If we are saying things, doing things that does not bring glory to Jesus Christ, it is not good. It's not good at all. It's not of him. Because the Holy Spirit is going to glorify Jesus Christ. So if it's not glorifying Jesus, if it's not, that means it's not glorifying his word, that means that it's of the flesh, it's of the world, it's not of God. Would you agree with that? For he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. What is his then? I want to know if he's going to disclose it to me, to you. I want to know what is it that, he, that is, belongs to Jesus Christ. What's his? Verse 15 says, all things that the Father has or mine. Therefore I said that he takes a mind and will disclose it to you. That explains it. That means that we don't have to look it up. That means that it's plain, right? That means that I need to know then what belongs to the Father. Because some people think that the devil, Satan, and his uh demons and his unclean spirits, they have uh access to things. They have the ability to do things that God can't override. We need to know what belongs to the Father. You know, in one place it says that the prince of this world, they, uh, he's blind the eyes of the of the unbelievers so they can't see the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That means that if he's a prince of the of this world, that means that he he controls this world, that therefore God doesn't have any, any access to this world. He doesn't have any say so this world. It's been given to the devil, and so therefore we are at loss. God is out of his territory on the earth. Does it mean that? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. All things belong to the Father. What things does not belong to the Father? Name one thing that does not belong to God. It's nothing, isn't it? Nothing. How about the breath you breathe? Is it yours? No. He can take his breath from you, just like he gave it to you. All things are his. All things. What about things that you see? What were they made of? What are these things made of? Everything these chairs are made of, everything this building is made of, they were made by God speaking things into existence. He spoke everything into existence. There's nothing that exists that wasn't spoken into existence by God. How about just the light? If we go outside, the light that we see, the sun. Yeah. Is, that, is that God or just just the big bang theory? It's God. He is the creator. There's nothing that exists. He controls Satan. Satan doesn't have a chance. Satan can't do anything to you or to your loved ones without God allowing it to happen. Believe me. That is good news. He baptizes into one body. This is the Holy Spirit we're talking about now. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 and 13. For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all members of the body Though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we are all, that means all over the world, we are all baptized into one body. There's only one body of Christ, only one. Whether we are Jews, whether we are Greeks, whether we are slaves, whether we are free, we are all made to drink of one spirit. So we're all one, one with God. That's exciting also. So no one has any right to uh, try to proclaim that we are somebody because we are not. We are all one in Christ. Our life, the scripture says another place, our life is here with Christ in God. That's another scripture. That's, That's our life. Another scripture tells that we were crucified with Christ. That means we're dead. Nevertheless, we live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself up for me. Let's look at some words and concepts. We were in Acts, so let's turn to Acts chapter 2. Verse four, and let's start there. And reviewing some words and concepts because I didn't go over these uh, when I was teaching it, uh, really. But I'll go over it just a little bit. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. In and as, as the Spirit gave them utterance, and want to look at that. That those some of those words there. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. You remember we told you the first message of the of the um month, the first Sunday of the month, we told you that don't get hung up on words. Because there are many words to explain uh just one particular event or one particular thing. This says feel, but when we read in in chapter one, verse five, it said they were gonna be baptized not many days from here with the Holy Spirit. So we have feel, we have also uh we have baptized there's another place as we get to it, not today, but we'll get to it uh, later on. It tells us that he fell upon. that's in uh, Acts 11:158:16,10,44. Uh, another one said it he came on. That's in uh, Acts 19:6. Let's look at another one in verse 17 of this chapter two. It says, "And it shall be in the last days God." says that he will pour forth of my spirit. It's talking about the same experience they sp- experienced on the day of Pentecost. Was, the Holy Spirit was poured forth. He was, in other words, they were baptized. Yes, they were filled. Yes, he fell upon. Yes, he, it was poured forth. The Spirit was poured forth. It says in verse 18 also that even on my bond servants, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit and they shall prophesy. So we're looking at uh, just words, and I don't want you to get hung up on words, knowing that as we go through Acts, you'll find different words, but it's the same experience they're talking about. And that word tongues in this particular verse is saying that uh, it's, a, it's a language. It's saying when it says, speak with other, with other, that means that it's not the same. It's another kind. It is different. So that means that uh, that. that The ones who were speaking were not speaking their own language. They were speaking another language. Do you understand? These words, they mean something in Greek. So you have to, you can't go on just what somebody say. You have to look these words up in Greek and find out, what is this Greek word? What does this Greek word mean? Heteros means different. It doesn't mean the same. It means different. So it's different from the from the ones that were speaking, I have English, and if I start speaking in a another tongue, another language, then that means that it's different from my language that I know. And then another word down here says, as the Spirit was giving them utterance, to utter, to speak. That means that the Holy Spirit was forming the words they were speaking because he had a purpose in that. That's what that means in this particular verse now some people will say in verse 8 if you look down on verse 8 which is not on your notes not on my notes but it says and how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we are born uh, some people will say well this is saying then that they were all speaking their native language like they were Galileans they were all speaking the native language but each one of them heard in their own language It can be like the 120 people, they're all speaking, and they're praising God, they're glorifying God. And so what happens is that uh, the Holy Spirit makes each one of the people who were from every nation under heaven, makes them hear in their own particular language. That's what they say with this one. But we have to keep it in the same context because the same context is that which we read up there. So that means that each one then, each person was speaking in a Strange language to them who were speaking. Now I don't know how that happened. I don't. I, I really don't know because I can. You can take 120 people, and they can all be speaking in in the same language like English, let's say, because we, we we most of us speak in English, and uh we can say we can be glorifying God, and we can glorify God speaking differently. You remember last Sunday when we received communion, we were. Giving glory to God. Giving thanks to God. But we did it one at a time. Why? So that everyone can hear what was being said. Suppose I said everybody glorify God at the same time with whatever thanks you want to give to God. And we will all start giving glory to God. And I was standing here trying to determine who was saying what. That will be hard. Wouldn't it be? So I don't know how God miraculously did this with every every nation under heaven. They were hearing in their own language and they were all speaking. I don't know. Regardless of what the Holy Spirit did, the, the important thing is that they were amazed and God got the glory because it was a miracle. That's what it was. It was a miracle. So I don't care what you believe about whether they were all you know, speaking different language where they're all speaking the same language and, and they hear it differently. It doesn't really matter. That's not the, the most important thing. The most important thing is that it was a miracle from God. They were in awe, the people who were hearing. And so, therefore, they were saying, what is this? This is, un, this is unbelievable. It can't be them. God is doing something. That's what's important. And that's what you need to know. That God is doing something. He's doing something in your life. He's doing something in my life. He's, he was doing something in these people's lives because he was he was birthing the church, and he was he was he's gonna multiply this church in a few minutes. That's what he's gonna do. Let's pick up where we left off. We left off. Well, there's some more words also. You remember I said prophesy. I said uh, uh, dream, dreams, and visions. Well, well. I didn't ever give you the definition, even though it was on my paper to give. So I said, let me, let me give that to you. Uh, prophesying it really simply is saying it's to, desire to de- it's to declare truth through inspiration of God's Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit gives you inspiration to say something for him to someone else. And it may be prophecy. It may be that which may uh, happen uh, Later. It may be something that exhorts, something that encourages, something that comforts, like in 1 Corinthians. Visions uh, it, it, visions are sights to the mind. The mind is seeing something. A dream is something that, that, that uh, is seen as sleep, and when it's a dream. Dreams dreams are visions while sleeping. That's what those words mean. And you can uh, look up further those, those, those words. Let's look in verse Two, chapter 2 verse 5 let's pick it up there and go uh, through because that's what we did in communion uh, we finished up there we're going we're gonna to keep going from there and go in in chapter 2 let's pick it up where we left off we went to 22 let's pick it up uh, at 22 Moses said we're in chapter 2 verse 22 When Israel, men of Israel, this is, this is Peter speaking. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in, in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan of God and the foreknowledge of God, you nailed to the cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up and, and, and putting an end to the agony of death since since it was impossible for him to be held in his power. For David says, I saw the Lord always in my presence, for he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue exhorted. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope because you have not abandoned my soul to Hades. Now, who is this? Who's David speaking of? Yeah. Now, was he prophesying or wh- what was this he was doing? Was David a prophet? Or was he a king? Or what, what, what was David? Have Have you ever heard anybody say, well, David was a prophet? Have you ever heard that? Okay. Let's look in verse 29. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding this patriot David, that he both died and was buried. And his tomb is with us today. Now, what it's saying here is that David wasn't speaking of himself. He couldn't have been speaking of himself, even though he was in the first person all the time. Uh he he was not speaking of himself because he can't mean that that. He didn't undergo decay. Yes, he underwent decay because his tomb is with us today. Verse 30. And so because he was a prophet, because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ. That he would neither abandon to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus, God raised again, which we are all witnesses today. That's something that uh, we sometimes read over. That in in the Old Testament, in Psalms, a lot of times, it, it, he's speaking prophetically. He he's prophesying, you see, and David. You can say uh, um, now with a surety that David was a prophet. He was a king. He was a prophet. Was he a prophet? How do you know he was a prophet? Because I said so? Because the word says so. Kay. That's good, isn't it? David prophesied. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. You know, I told you I was going to tell you something I had over here written in, that was important. Therefore, verse thirty three, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth, we can say he has filled, he can say he was baptized. Right? We can say all those words, is that correct? He has poured forth this which you have seen and hear. So in other words, you both see and you hear. What was poured forth? What was poured forth? The Holy Spirit. People were filled with the Holy Spirit, right? People were baptized with the Holy Spirit. People were, it was poured forth on people. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said unto my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now he ends his dissertation, his speech, in verse 37 it says, Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. Now why were they pierced to the heart? Do you think they were pierced to the heart just because he said something? You see, we can go back in in Scripture. We can go back to uh, the Gospels, and Paul. Uh, uh, you know, w- w- Jesus says some things. We can go further in in, um, in Acts, where Paul says something. But did it pierce anybody to the heart? You know, they put him in. They put him in jail. They didn't listen to him. Why did they? they why were they pierced to the heart? If if the word is read. Like we're reading the word. Are you pierced to the heart? You see, if you say something through the scripture, when you read the scripture, are you pierced to the heart? When somebody reads to you, are you pierced to the heart? When, when you listen to TV, when you listen to a uh, tape, when are you pierced to the heart just for the reading of the word? Or does the Holy Spirit have to do something to pierce your heart? I'm saying it's the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. When they heard, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, "Brother, what shall we do? In other words, I got to have this. I, I, I'm convicted. You don't have to say any more. Just tell me what should I do? Isn't that what you want to happen when you speak the word of God? That's why we tell you, you know, give the Holy Spirit a chance. Speak the word of God. Speak the word of God in your household. Speak the word of God to your mate. Speak the word of God to your children. Give the Holy Spirit a chance. If you're speaking out of the flesh, you don't, you don't give them a chance. Because he's not going to pierce their heart with your flesh. They will be pierced, you know. <laughs> but a lot of times people are... They get angry. They, they, they get mad. All kind of household domestic violence take place because of people's words. Is that true? But if you speak the word of God, you get a Holy Spirit an opportunity. You give him opportunity. If you would demonstrate the word of God, you give him an opportunity. It says so in First Peter and throughout the scripture. That we need to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. Is that correct? Okay. Verse 38. Peter said to them, repent. What is repenting? Repenting is changing your mind. Repenting is changing your mind. Please don't tell someone repent. Repenting means turning to another direction, Turn around. Don't tell anybody it means that because people can change directions without changing their minds. And it doesn't do any good because later on they will go back in the same direction because their mind was never changed. That's why God tells in Romans 12 that we need to renew our minds. It's the mind. The battleground is the mind. That's what the spirit of God is after. He's after our mind, our will, and emotions. That's what Satan is after, our mind, will, and emotions, our heart. Because what happens is that he knows if he has your heart, he has you. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. All evil things, every evil thing that anybody can do comes out of the heart. That's what the word says. So the battleground is the heart, is the mind. So repentance is changing your mind. When you change your mind on a topic, they're saying, Peter's saying, repent. Change your mind about this Jesus whom you crucified, who you didn't believe was the Messiah. Change your mind about him. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what he said. That's awesome. That's what God has asked us to do. Anytime we have sin in our life, change your mind about that. Repent. Not just ask for forgiveness. Not just ask for forgiveness. He didn't start off with ask for forgiveness. He started off with repent. Change your mind. Asking for forgiveness comes later after changing your mind. Asking for forgiveness don't do anything if you keep asking the same thing. Forgiveness for the same thing over and over again. We will forgive them. But nothing changes. We won't change, don't we? Verse 39. For the promise is, oh yeah, this is when I said it was important, oh it's so important, I want you to listen for the promise I'm getting ready to tell you, got to listen for the promise is for you do you hear what I said? it's for you but look what it said about these next three words and for your children oh you know, I read that many times before, but it didn't stand out. It didn't stand out, and then I was reading it, something else stood out. But then I was reading it again, and it said, it's for you and your children. He wants you to partake of this, but he wants your children to partake of it also. You know, what happens to you is supposed to happen to your children. Your children are part of you. It's a family thing. You remember when the jailer... You know, uh, invited the, the, uh, the, the apostles or the disciples to, to his house. Uh, who got saved? His whole household got saved. How about Cornelius? His whole household got saved. That's what I want. I want all of us to understand that our children are important to God and what happens to us is supposed to happen to our children. And... For all who are far off, not just, not just you Jews, because he was talking to the Jews, not just you, but to those who are far off, the Gentiles also, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself with the gospel call. Everybody, it's for everybody. Verse 40. And with many other words he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. What kind of generation was it then? What kind of generations is it now? Perverse. <laughs> 41. So then, those who have received his word were baptized. Now, wait a minute. Those who received it. Why didn't it say everybody was baptized? Huh? From from reading, not everybody did what received. How can that happen? How can everybody under, you know, the, the, the all these nations, the tongues on the nations, all the, these. Are, how can they all hear, but all not be pierced? How can they not all receive? Yeah. Just a thought. They were baptized, and that day there was added about three people to the church. How many? 3,000 souls. That's a lot of people, isn't it? Oh, the church is on the move now. Oh, the church has been birthed. Woo, my goodness gracious, it's growing. Verse 42, they were continually devoting themselves. That's devoting now. Devotions, you know, you have devotion. Devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's number one. I wrote it in my Bible, number one. And number two, to what? Fellowship is important. Cornelia is very important. Very important. You can't be on an island by yourself. You can't get off by yourself and say, I, don't, you know, I want to be by myself. I don't want to be around those Christians, but those Christians, you know, they, they, they got problems. No. We all have problems, yes, but you do too. And we all are going to encourage one another. We all going to exhort one another. We all are going to comfort one another. Because we're all part of one body of Christ. So we need to be fellowshipping together. And breaking a bread and to prayer. Four things. The apostles' teaching. Not to just, not to just you know, uh, going out watching a football game, watching a basketball game. You know, that's okay if that's what you want to do. But it, they, they were devoted to what? The apostles' teaching. To fellowship, to breaking a bread. And the prayer. Verse 43. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. What does that mean? And they began selling their property. That means uh, having all things in common. What was mine what was yours. was yours mine. We all have this thing in common. Why do they need to do that? If all these people come from all these you know, nations under heaven, they're all there for the day of Pentecost. If they're going to stay in a length of time. After a while, you know, their provisions going to end. So now they're going to have to be taken care of. Who's going to take care of them? And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as everyone might have need. So because of what was going on there, because of this birth of the church, because they needed to learn the apostles, doctrine, and all this stuff before they go back to their own nation and take the gospel there, they need to learn something. For, for verse 46. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. They were praising God. And having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number. Day by day. Those who were being saved. This is the account. Of what was going on. During then. Some people would take. Out of context this. And they want to start. I guess they call them communes. You know where. Well we're going to have everything in common. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what the church is supposed to do. Just like the book of Acts. And they're supposed to, you know, uh, grow vegetables together and eat together, and all those kind of thing. Nobody have. The, uh, you, you take things out of context. See, uh, that, that's not what's going. That's not what God called people to do. To isolate themselves in communion. You see. Uh, usually, usually, sooner or later, uh, it's exposed that they got off. They they went off into the deep end, you know, because they're not supposed to be done. It's not scriptural. Keep the word of God in context, people. Keep it in context. Next week, we'll pick it up in uh, chapter 3 because now you're going to start all these miracles and things that were happening. They're going to start explaining some of these things and because do you want to have miracles happen when you go out from this place and, and you... Uh, Tell somebody about the good news about Jesus Christ, you go to the to uh, someone's house and they have they they are sick and whatnot and and you pray for them. Do you want them to raise up? Do you want the sickness to leave? Do you want to touch somebody's hand and the fever leaves? Do you want you know to uh, be in your household your, your your children are sick whatever they have a fever they have pneumonia they have a cold you, and you lay hands on them they are healed. Do you want that to happen? Or is this just something that's in scripture? We are looking and say, whoo, wasn't that nice back then?" You know, I wish it were present now. What do you want? Well we want to read about this, and then we want to believe this, let's practice this yeah. that's what our in our uh, life group, that's what we just well Ann and Smith just taught a lesson on miracles, yeah. and so we're going to have a, a miracle session, you know we're just going to believe God, and then we're going to do the same thing for the church. if you if we see all this, let's practice it, let's practice. It. let's practice now going out and let's practice, let's practice our words piercing somebody. Can we practice that? Our words piercing somebody. You know. The word, let's, uh, uh, let me change that. Let me change it because uh, uh, I already see. I, I already saw that. I saw it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let's practice God's words piercing somebody. <laughs> let's practice that. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Spirit. He, he, he'll, he'll teach you. He'll tell you. He'll correct you. He'll say, oh, don't you say that, boy, you know. Because they're weird, weird they're, 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 they might be piercing, but it's not me. Okay, let's stand. Let's stand. If there's anyone here today that um, you have not given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, or you have strayed from Him, now is the time to do that. Now is the time to do that. And I would like to pray for you. If you have not given your life to Jesus Christ or if you have not been living for him, just raise your hand and put it back down. I'd like to pray for you. Anybody? Because I would like to, I'm not going to embarrass you. Anybody here? that's like that. You have not done it. Just raise your hand and put it back down. Nobody going to see you. Anybody like that? Anybody? Okay. Would you all pray in agreement for, the, for this person? you all pray in agreement for me? Father, you saw the hand. We're asking you, Lord, to move and to flow in that person's life. The first thing that Peter said when he said, What must we do is repent. Change your mind. We're asking right now, Father, that their mind will be changed. You said that godless sorrow works repentance in another place in Scripture. Father, we pray that the person will have godless sorrow for their state right now. The state that they are in, the place they are in, or the place they are not in in you, they have godless sorrow for that. Because you are good, and your mercy endures forever. And they change their mind about that state. And they want to change their opinion about being in you. About giving their lives to you. Because they've heard it before. Father, we're asking that they accept your lordship, your sovereignty in their lives at this time. And they acknowledge that you are who you said you are. You are the Messiah. You are the light bearer. You are the way, the truth, and the life. There's no life apart from you. That you lived and you died for the sins of the world. And therefore you died for their sins. And you were raised again to everlasting life. And so were they raised again to everlasting life. You would never be crucified again. You would never die again. They would never die again. Their flesh would die. One, their, their flesh would die. Oh, but to, be, to die is to be present with the Lord. So I would like you all who are already saved and who have um, already right with God just to repeat after me so that the person won't be exposed because I said I wouldn't embarrass him. Would you do that with me? And with the person also is for you to recite after me, please. Father, in the name of Jesus, we change our mind. About being in you. Sold out to you. Dedicated to you. We want to live for you. We want you to live in us. Come into me, Jesus, and rule my life. I believe with my heart that God raised you from the dead and you are a living God. I believe that the Holy Spirit lives in me. Now, because I've accept, accepted you as my Lord and Savior, I welcome you, Holy Spirit. Lead me. Guide me. Teach me. Show me those things that are freely given to me by Jesus Christ. Teach me. Give me some woman to disciple me. That I may be able to grow in you. In Jesus' name, everybody say, amen.